Today on the Spring Hills Podcast, it's stage two of our Next Steps podcast series. So my co-host, Gerilyn, is here, uh, and you're going to be hearing a lot from Gerilyn over the next two months. Um, today, we're on stage two, which is the Seeker. If you don't know what we're doing, Gerilyn, I'm going to have you explain in just a second uh, what the, what this is. Just recap what the series is, what sure. the, the episodes are looking like. Um, but what we're doing is, uh, is mostly applicable to small group leaders, but it's applicable to uh, just about anybody within the church. So this is good information. So don't turn the episode off. If you're like, oh, I'm not a small group leader. This doesn't right. apply to me. It can apply to you. So um, this is all great information. This is stage two of uh, seven. So we have eight total episodes. There was the introduction in stage one was last week, and now we're here at stage two, and we have a special guest, and uh, this is Doug. I, I don't know how to say your last name. I've uh, only seen it spelled. Uh, it's Sagan, and Sagan. it's no okay, gas backwards. It's no gas? No gas back. Ooh, that's okay. good to know. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's exactly the kind of information we need on this podcast, Doug. Um, <laughs> no so I told Gerilyn, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, I told her uh, that in this podcast, she's going to have to play get back coach in case we start talking about basketball. So <laughs> there you go. Um, anyways, we won't talk about basketball today, but Doug and I have had plenty of basketball conversations and we'll, uh, we'll do that another time. That's not. You need not, to do a basketball podcast. That needs to happen. I've tr- I tried to do that with some guys before and found out real quick that I was far more interested in the, in the stuff <laughs> we were talking about than they were. And I was I like, can match well, you we can, though. I was you say, can. Doug can hang. You can, can hang. you can hang with that. So I've already seen that. Steve, I need to get Steve Neal, Neal in here. Just the three of us talk about basketball. He's always like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's from like the 60s. I'm like, tr- yeah, I know. I know. I'm a basketball historian. <laughs> what can I say? All right. Co-host Gerilyn, stage yes. two, take over. All right. So this is the Next Steps podcast for small group leaders. But like Garrett said, it's really helpful to anybody who wants some common language for understanding sort of the progression of growing spiritually. And you might think it's just basically like you become a Christian and then you become a little bit more mature. And at some point you're at like Pastor Brett level or Saint level or whatever you want to think. But we actually are breaking it into seven really practical steps where you can sort of map out both where you're at right now and then where your next stage would be, where you, what are the most practical next steps for you. And then also ideally people will get to sort of stage seven, um, as quickly as they can and spend the majority of their Christian life there. And so, um, we just want to encourage you that that is, that is well within the cards for you. You don't have to have a PhD in theology to sort of grow into a mature Christian believer. And so uh, there's the seven different stages that are in sort of three different categories. There's the pre-Christian category. So stage step three, stage three is where people become believers. So where they make a decision to follow Christ. And then we have the later categories where they're ready to really lead God's church. But before stage three is stages one and two. And last week we talked about stage one where people are guests in the church in that they are there. Sometimes Nanine shared her story with us that she was there because she wanted to please her mother-in-law, but they have no interest in getting to know God. They might not even think he exists, or they might have these just really devastating beliefs about him that just they're very shut off to him. So their next step is not to pray a prayer and become a Christian. You, you're, And that's why, really why I brought Doug here today too, is I think that he is especially equipped to appreciate that that 
that strategy of caring for a guest would be really defeating um, to just really try to get them to pray a prayer type of thing, that it's much better to get them to a stage where they're asking questions, where they're seeking increased understanding, whether it's about God or spirituality or the Bible. They, you have to get them from a closed off posture to a posture that's open. So with that, with that the um, introduction, I'm going to pass it off to Doug and just see as you hear me rambling about these steps and <laughs> Maybe into the we give some step. context of who Doug is. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. And why he's part of the Seeker <laughs> podcast. <laughs> See, this is why Garrett is usually the host. Doug is uh, really awesome. He's been a faithful part of our small groups leadership team for quite a few years, even before the formal sort of um, situation that we have. And he leads our starting point ministry, which I'm actually going to let you sort of explain what that is because I have my ideas, but you'll word it better. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. It's really a privilege to be able to share maybe a little bit of my uh, experience in dealing with people who are resistant to faith. Yeah. And really, that's the, the main thing. Now, I come from a, a, a Catholic background, but really not understanding anything about anything about God. Yeah. So I, as I kind of grew, I had to remember what it was like to be in that position of someone who knew nothing about anything. Right. And to be able to um, really welcome people's resistance in what their position is and to uh, kind of authenticate or um, validate their position and not assume, well, you don't know anything. Well, anybody's resistance to God and faith is really their point of view, and I have to respect that. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I really do is I take them or anybody for who they are. Mm-hmm. That's good. So I don't presume anything uh, when I when people come into starting point. Um, and you let any question fly. Like uh, that's that's one thing I know that my my wife helped you out with starting point for a while, and that was one thing I know that was admirable about it was that people did not seem scared to ask questions. That a lot in other scenarios, people might be scared to feel like they're. Uh, they might be looked at like they're stupid or like they're, you know, like, oh, how do you not already know that already? That kind of thing. But that's not the kind of uh, atmosphere you've got there. People are are willing to ask anything because the atmosphere you've got there is ask anything. And they know that they're in a safe spot to be like, okay, wait, I don't understand this. This is this, you know, right? That's right. And I think one of the... um, the sad points about the church sometimes it's like it should be the place where people would want to go to mm-hmm. be able to right. ask a question. But unfortunately we don't give them an environment in which they can ask that question. Right. Or and, that it feels comfortable to ask it, not even a safe thing, but just, Oh, it's going to be really awkward because they're all going to look at me like intimidating. You know? maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. And they're going to be judged for their point yep. of view. Yep. Exactly. So you're right. Exactly. On the fir- very first day when we have a starting point orientation, I literally bring in a, a, a big paper pad and I say, what are your questions that you've always wanted to ask yeah. and were afraid to possibly ask? And so if they're a re- uh, little resistant, I'll start it by... What kind, pos- of qu- what kind of questions get put up there on that first week? I would say through my years of um, dealing with people from a seeker, or if that's the term we want to use, uh, viewpoint, it's number one, why is there so much evil in the world and why doesn't God do anything about it? Mm -hmm. Number two would probably be what is my um, destiny or what's my, what's God's plan for me in my life? Mm -hmm. Um, Third would, would probably be why are there so many religions? 
Mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. So while you're 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 reminding me of this, a few weeks ago I've been doing these podcasts. Just they're called questions, and I just do questions about you know God in the Bible was the first one we did, and we did that with uh, with Brett, and then a couple other guys joined Brett. And these are the kind of questions: Why is there pain in the world? And it's questions. Some of them that are so basic to people that might maybe grow up in church, they're very basic questions. But some people that might really just be like, why is there so much evil in the world? And so we answer those questions with, you know, we I would bring in the pastors and have them talk about these uh, to what some might think is a very simple question, but is actually a more complicated question to some because they don't Absolutely. they don't understand it. Uh, I still don't. I honestly can't really tell you that <laughs> I understand why there's so much pain and suffering in the world. I get I understand to a to an extent, but uh, and I can probably answer it fairly well now that I've talked with Brett about it, but. That's the kind of questions that I'm like, people need to, people need to have answers to these questions and not feel intimidated by it. So that's, that's, that's where correct. you go with that. <clears throat> so when, when you start out with that, those, that list of questions, I tell them, I, I say, look, we may not answer every question mm-hmm. right away, but I will let you know when this question is probably going to come up in our journey and starting point. And even if it's not in within the, um, the chapters in which we cover, I always validate by saying, I'll take time and we will go over that question just to make mm-hmm. sure that they, their question did get addressed. Mm-hmm. May not be exactly how they wanted it addressed, but we will talk about it. And mm-hmm. I always do. So I always create an, uh, an environment in which it's safe to be able to talk about whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. So if I say this is an environment in which you know, you're free to ask any question, then it's up to me to provide that. And they're going to hold me to that. Mm-hmm. And so I have to do my best to, um, you know, hold on to their confidence in me uh, during that time. Mm-hmm. And I value that more than anything. So whatever we talk about in our group really pretty much stays within our group. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, we start with being a bit vulnerable. And so I start that by, sharing my story and my resistance to questions that I had and even questions that I'm still struggling with currently. That's good. So that way they know, oh, he's just on this journey like I am. So it's never, you're never done. You're Mm -hmm. just never done. Mm -hmm. And and, and so that's one of the things that um, we really look at at starting point. And as we journey together, I think one of the things that I tell them in the beginning, I go, if I would have done one thing, it was, it would be at the end of our time, you would say, I want to do this over again. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> that I want to fail to come back again. Mm-hmm. And they kind of laugh. But when we get to the end of our nine weeks, they all say, can we do this again? Yes. Yes. <laughs> And that makes me feel like, hey, we created something that they felt like they were heard. Mm-hmm. We changed or opened up their eyes to a different viewpoint and how to see God or view God or to move them to that next step. Doesn't mean that they may have made the decision. That's only between themselves and and God. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can hopefully move them to that next stage because who knows what's going to happen, mm-hmm. where they're going to go next. Mm-hmm. They may they may make that decision five years from now, mm-hmm. but they're going to go, oh, I remember I was in a starting point, and you know what? 
I'm ready to do this deal now. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to do this deal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're just setting, I'm just a, a seed planter or a waterer. Who knows mm-hmm. what, what stage I'm at. That's good. That's good. So I'll just take it for whatever they give me. Well, and I love, and I saw you demonstrate this when I got to, you invited me to crash your group and that was such a s- sweet group. And I think both of those couples would have said, would have owned an identity of being Christians and that they, they had been doing that for a while, but they still benefited so much from your group. But I loved seeing uh, you really demonstrate something that I think guests especially need in order to become seekers. And we can use whatever language we want, but basically people who are um, just abrasive to God or just have no interest in God to transition into a stage where they're willing to ask questions that maybe they've had for a long time or willing to seek greater understanding. I think people who help them with that need to have a posture that doesn't say that 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 person who's helping is the expert and the person who is is wrestling with things is the novice or the person who doesn't really know what's going on because by saying I'm on this journey with you, I'm exploring things with you that I have wrestled with and haven't necessarily conquered that that battle, I think that really puts people in a position to feel like, okay, I'm respected so I can wrestle with these types of things. And we never really together. stopped being seekers. Right, exactly. I mean, we yeah. still, I mean, That's Brett right. still, Brett comes in and, and we, you know, he comes in to do the uh, stage seven and it's like, you, it's, I, I think I made the joke to him. I was like, well, we had to bring in the grandmaster to, <laughs> you know, but Brett uh, still actively seeks and he's listening to sermons and he's reading books and he's still actively seeking. So it's right. like, you're never going to stop being a seeker. And that's great because you're never going to know it all. Well, and even on the other side of eternity, when everything's perfect and sin's not a problem and, Mm -hmm. you know, death is not an issue, we're still never going to run out of things to explore about the glory of God's character. And so, yeah, I love that observation that you don't, and that's where you can really be genuine in not having a a superior posture to somebody else. It's not just pretending like I know nothing. It's like, no, I'm, we really should all have that posture to people who are not, um, believers or who are against God in some way, we should have a posture that says, you know, with your story, with your starting materials, I might be in the exact same place type of thing. But Yeah. I think one of the things that, uh, when people were, if they looked at the title starting point, they would think, well, I'm beyond that. Right. And, um, I mean, I've had people from all spectrums of the scale, mm-hmm. people who were, resistant to faith. I've had many atheists, agnostics, uh, people from, uh, you know, Jehovah's Witness background, Mormon background, um, longtime people in the church. And when they come into starting point, they have an assumption of what it's going to be. And the great thing is that we look at, if I can uh, uh, put it this way, when you get, you see a picture of something as spectacular as maybe the Grand Canyon and somebody takes a picture of it and you see it, you just go, well, oh, nice. But if you were to see the whole panoramic view, yeah. you understand the grandeur of it. Yeah. And I think in starting point, what we do is we look at this sometimes in our view of Christianity and God's story tends to be these segments. Mm-hmm. But there is a common theme that's missed. And when you see the whole picture, people just go, Oh, Oh, <laughs> how did I miss that? Um, from the very beginning, they're put, putting puzzle pieces together. They're putting puzzle pieces, but I hope more than anything, when they come into starting point, they understand 
that it's not just these little things, but there is a there's a theme that's written and it's it's not brought up much by people in the church when you see a basic thing like when the decision that Abraham made to trust God in the beginning, um, what that set in motion for any of us, because we think that in order to establish this relationship with a God we can't see, and obviously Abraham could not really see him, Mm. but he made a decision to trust, which is basically not a condition. We think of people's decision, it's based on a condition. If you do this, then I will do that. Mm -hmm. But Abraham didn't do that. He just said, I'm trusting because God made him a promise. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't said, Hey, Abraham, you got to prove to me. It was an unconditional promise. It was an unconditional promise, right? right? He, yeah. he didn't say, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, this, right. you know? So when Abraham did that, it set the precedent for any of us. It wasn't about, um, doing good deeds or anything, mm-hmm. uh, about a behavior. It was just something that was done within the heart. Right back mm-hmm. then in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just find it fascinating. Like I didn't know some of these things and I had gone to Bible college and I, you know, once I be- decided to have this journey with Jesus that I was in church all the time. And I don't even can't even remember the last time I missed a, a, a Sunday except for when the pandemic hit. Right. So I was always in, always, you know, learning and different things like that. But there are things that I learned through starting point that completed the picture that I thought I knew, but I didn't. That's good. I just really didn't. Well, and you create a space too where uh, I think a lot of people are used to maybe Mm. coming to the church specifically and asking hard questions and hearing, well, the Bible says this, and creating a space where you you don't necessarily assume the authority and the infallibility of the Bible, but you discuss it in a context that lets people who don't buy that as a good, they, they don't think of it as a math, you know, academic, thing or anything like that they they're like well yeah I don't agree with that so creating a space where you can still explore the truth of who God is this truth of what he's done without referring to a resource that some people don't give authority and credit to is really good too that's right because when you're dealing with people who are outside of the faith or who may be resistant they just say well that's just a book right right that's just a book and I don't believe in that book right so then what is your point of uh holding on to um, moving forward. And, you know, the church was not founded basically as we go through in starting point, it wasn't based on a book or a belief. Mm -hmm. The church was not, um, founded in that it was founded based on an event that happened in history. And so as we look at something that they can look into that, well, I'm going to have to, how am I going to view that, that this happened? It wasn't something that was told it's something that happened within right. history. Right. Now it's up to them to kind of begin to wrestle with that. Well, what do I think about that? Like I can argue with many different things about the Bible and, you know, whether did the animals really go in two by two into the ark or <laughs> did, you know, the ax head really float. We can talk about that. But when you get to really a decision, you have to do something with Jesus. And that's really the, the, the big question that we ask we point people towards right. what are you going to do with Jesus? Right. You can argue all the other things, you know, 
to your blue in the face, right. but it's still going to come down to who is Jesus to you mm-hmm. and to me mm-hmm. and individually what we're going to do with that. So, mm-hmm. well, and then I, I would hope that some of that experience of sort of suspending, you know, the use of the Bible is just sort of this like sword, like we, that is, it's a reverent thing for us to think of it that way as Christians, but let's set that aside and, and just interact with people who aren't willing to view it that way. I would hope that that helps reshape both our and that person's view of the Bible is that the Bible really is in many instances, a testimony of that event. So it's, it's helpful to sort of rephrase, like you're not necessarily just interacting with just a book. You're actually interacting with people's testimony of what they what they saw their their first eyewitness accounts account of what happened so it's like i could sit here at a table and say i'm feeling sad right now and you couldn't you couldn't be like well you're wrong because it's like (laughs) but i i I would definitely tell you you're wrong (laughs) you're (laughs) not you know like i'm the authority i'm the authority (laughs) of that this is the brother sister relationship we have you're not sad you're not sad it's not true (laughs) (laughs) but you know like the i think that changes the way that people see the bible not just as this like you know, uh, I don't know, bucket of buttons that you can push to sort of like level up the person you're fighting with. Like it's actually, no, there's, these are eyewitness accounts and things like that. And even Torah, like the early Christians did have the, the old Testament, at least the first five books, Mm -hmm. but those are also a lot. So much of it is narrative. So, so much of it is their understanding of what has been passed down you know, through oral tradition as well. So I just, I, I love that you give people a position to sort of see that in a different way than the Bible's been used historically in our culture, our Western civilized culture. Yes. And I think one of the, the other things that make um, creating environments where people can actually have conversation or is really important is uh, we look at starting point. It's not a class. So oh, it's not, great. it's not a, a teacher student uh, dynamic. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're together. Yep. I happen to be the You're person. You're a facilitator. That, that's all I am. I'm just a facilitator. And so it's up to me to move the group through. But I always tell them, I go, what you bring into our time together is really going to make our time valuable or, you what know, it is. what it is. Yeah, yeah. And then they go, well, what's that look like? So I have to do my best to try to make that happen. And it's, it's by asking the right question and um, obviously setting the tone for um, once we tell our stories. Yes. That's what I was waiting for you to say. Yes. That's money. That's so good. The the story is what from the very first week um, when we come in after we do the orientation, Mm -hmm. I tell my story. And so my story has a lot of brokenness in it, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, you know, I lost a, a sister to cancer. I lost a brother to suicide and I have my own health issues that I deal with. And so if we, tr- we were to go into a room and we just evaluate people just on physical appearance, most of the time we're just going to say, oh, that person's never seen a, a tough day in their life. Mm-hmm. But as you open up and you, they, they say, oh, and you hit them literally, you know, right, like, wow. Mm. they're all, they're almost not expecting that. And so once they, they go, wow, he shared that and his struggles with, you know, some of those areas, then they go, well, maybe, maybe this is a place. And then the next week 
I never say that you're going to share your story. And a share and a story for us is not a testimony. Right. Because right. these people may not have one. Right. They right. they're just living life. And I want to see how they've lived life. Right. That's all I want to hear. It's their story. It's That's their story. That. Yeah, like, yeah. like who who are you? What do you do? What do you love? And what what's happening? And it what probably <laughs> gives you more context as to why they're asking the questions they're asking. Exactly. And that's the that's the beautiful part because I think most people want to talk and they want to share yeah. their story. It's just a matter: are you willing to be a good listener? And can they can you create an environment in which they're going to say, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to give you my six minutes or whatever it is, and I'm going to share." Maybe they will will share a little bit this much, mm -hmm. and that's okay because we've got more weeks and their time will come out and their story will become more complete as we begin to dialogue more and more and more. Mm -hmm. That's just the, the primer. Mm -hmm. So when people begin to share their stories, the one of the great things about, uh, again, I'm not trying to overhype starting point is that some people come back because I go, I want to hear their story. Yeah. And then maybe they'll come and go, I, I think I'm ready to share mine. Can I do mine this week? And, Aww, and you didn't you give so it to them. Sweet. And, you know, even if they're, they don't really know what that means. I've done it enough. It's all, be, almost becomes like an interview. And I just ask them this different questions. They almost get lost in our conversation and they don't even, they don't even realize they're telling their story. Well, and it's such a beautiful, the God, the gospel and the Bible and who God is, is so relational. And I think so much people think that it's, it's a list of facts or it's a list of beliefs, but no, it's, it's a relationship. And I think that what you're bringing into starting point is what throughout our entire nation, our entire world right now, we need more than ever. Cause as a divided country and a divided, you know, wherever you want to go, there's division everywhere. But I think of people where I have convictions that are complete opposite of theirs and I get frustrated with them and I'm annoyed with them. But as soon as you take time to hear their story, it's like, oh my goodness, I have a completely different attitude towards them. And I, the facts still don't line up and the convictions are still in opposition of one another. But all of a sudden it's like, I have a relationship with this person. It's not contractual. So I'm allowed to disagree with you and still maintain a sense of like, I still care about who you are in your story. And that's what I think guests and seekers especially need. We, we, all, we all need that. But if you're going to come into the family of God in a genuine way, you need to understand that that is what is happening. It's, it's a relational thing. It's not a contract type of stuff. Yeah. I think what was really interesting in the last group that we just finished with, um, one of the, um, women in the group said, I don't have a story. And, hmm. Because she came from a church background. And most people think, well, you know, I, I didn't do this. I didn't have this rugged background. So they think that. I wasn't in jail. I exactly. Didn't. They don't have a story. It's so sad. Because I just don't have one. Yes, you right. do. And she did. Absolutely. And And the beautiful part was, as she began to share what she did, I go, you were a truck driver. And you wanted to drive trucks throughout the, the country. It's like, how many people would have... Right. Wanted to do that. And here she was. And it, it, I go, as soon as we got her to open up, it's like she, you know, she just wanted to keep talking. Yeah. So good. Can I and ask a couple so of questions fun. here? Yeah. 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 Because you're, I mean, everything you guys have been saying, I'd wanted to, to, to jump into a couple of questions, um, kind of like application questions. So, um, so not every small group that we have is set up in a, in this, in this kind of way. Right. So we've right. got, 
um, archery groups, we've got knitting groups, and we've got Bible study groups and um, care groups, lots of different stuff, right? Um, our group is literally a group where we're watching a TV show. Like that's <laughs> uh, that, and actually, somebody that got plugged in through Starting Point is now in my group uh, that meets tonight here in a little bit, and the the story is still coming out. Like we're still hearing her story and I'm getting to know her more and more and more and appreciate more and more and more where she came from and how, I mean, just like the, how she grew up Catholic and her questions were based, based all around the the religion and the rules and, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's Mm -hmm. now becoming like, you can see the light bulb went off that it's like, it's not about that. It's about the relationship, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. all her, her journey started with starting point. Um, but since we don't have, not every group is starting point or set up in that, in that way. So let's talk to the small group leaders. Um, so let's say someone's got a seeker in their group. What are some of the basics for them to know about, uh, let's just say fostering an environment such as this to, to, yeah, foster environment for a seeker to feel safe, to learn and get their questions answered. Great question. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I do work hard on my questions. (laughs) Um, You know, I think one of the things, uh, you just have to be, number one, you have to be just really authentic with people and not treat them any different. You just have to respect who they are, where they are, and talk to them because learned a long time ago, people don't care about how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Mm. And you know what? When people encountered Jesus, he, he, he he wanted to know their story, and people were initially drawn to him. And they just kind of, uh, I'll tell you anything that you want to know because he would see their hurt and he would uh, allow them to be who they were. And I, I just think that if we're just authentic in, um, how we interact with them, uh, you know, what we, the kind of words that we use are, I think really important. One of the things I'm really careful to do is not use Christianese. I do not um, use uh, Christian terms. I try to use terms that anybody would understand Mm -hmm. because there's this thing where you can, there's like insiders and outsiders. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been an outsider trying to, and you're trying to in this environment where you feel like you're really outside, there's nothing more isolating than that. So if there's a way that you can minimize that and um, just make it simple and remember what it's like to be on that side. If you've never been there, then you need to figure out what it's like to be someone that's not in the faith. That's where I'm I'm almost wanting some of the small group leaders that are listening to maybe consider joining your group. If there's something tickling, just the idea that they feel that they, they would be able to foster this kind of environment. It doesn't have to necessarily be an official starting point group or official capacity where you're all sitting there and you're facilitating and talking about these things. I think that they could learn a lot from joining your group and seeing how to bring that into a one-on-one interaction with somebody over coffee outside of the group or some sort of conversation that happens right before, right after the group, you know, is going on. I would love to see them jump in to learn from you in that. Yeah, I, you know, and it's, it's not, it's not difficult. Um, you know, I've, I had the great uh, privilege to be able to understand what starting point was really about because I had a chance to go back to North Point Church in nice. Alpharetta, Georgia nice. and um, really meet the people. Yeah, who, this, this is Andy Stanley's yes, thing, right? Yes. So I was able to go back there, spend uh, like four days um, and then meet the, the people who actually, uh, started a starting point and kind of grew it. Now, 
being on the West Coast, it's a little bit different because they would ask us questions like, what's it like to deal with people who've, who are unchurched, yeah. who basically come once every, you know, Easter and weeks. Christmas and that's it. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. And how do you change that? And one of the things that for us, we would look at different types of wins. They've said, well, let's, let's go, let's, what's a win for somebody in starting point? Mm-hmm. And literally for some, for some people, it's like, if we could get them to come back two weeks in a row, that's a win. I mean, that's yeah. a big win because if you can change a behavior, you might be able to redirect them from someone who came, you know, maybe once every, you know, twice a year. If they came three times in a row to starting point, it's like, wow, that means, you know, we earned their respect enough that they would give us another hour Mm. and three times if they come back the fourth time they're probably coming to church as well so now mm. you're changing a whole behavior right instead of them going off on a sunday for a bike ride or whatever they're doing they decided to give you another chance and it's like i've got to respect that time that they've given me to be whatever it is if it's an outlet it's like i've got to respect that mm. and so it's really simple things. It's really simple things. And so I, my goal is to wow them when they come into starting point <laughs> that when they're done, they'll always remember that starting point was the best thing I ever did. And if, you know, so I hope that it sets a table when they're done with starting point that they want to do another small group after us. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That they just go, you know what? I did that one. That was good. I'm going to go do another one. Mm -hmm. And who Mm -hmm. knows what that would take them towards. And Mm so, you know, I always, you know, kind of move them to what the next step is, as you, when you were there at our dinner. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. You know, is is, is it getting baptized? Is it just attending? Is it getting involved? Or is it just asking more questions? Is it just asking more questions? Coming back to do it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, and I think that's a great next step for small group leaders to use also, if, even if they aren't coming to join the group. It's you always have this little tool in your back pocket for anybody that you think would really benefit from this environment that we're describing to say, hey, next semester, join starting point. You know, it's, you you lead it almost every semester. Is that right? I do. Once, yeah, yeah, I do. Now, one of the uh, Gary, you had a great question because not every group is. Thank you. Is, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you props on that. Um, not every group is set up the way ours is, which is like a, a direct, you know, we're going to get into the, the talking some deep stuff here. And we do, but I have to do my best to make it uh, palatable and relatable and not so spiritual, if we want to use that word, that they just go, oh, that was dry as a bone. Mm-hmm. So I've got to find ways to be creative in trying to do that and keeping the conversation and moving it towards where they understand it um, in their own world where they are. Mm. So the way the position that I take is really kind of, I don't know how I came up with some of this stuff, but I, instead of using Christian terms, I do my best to use regular language to whatever point I need to make. But I know my audience in the room and I try to lift up the person who knows the least and raise them up mm. by not, but also not embarrassing them because I've also had, I also have people who come in and they've never opened a Bible. Mm-hmm. So if I were to ask somebody, can you tell me where 
John 3.16 is. And for most people, they would know where to go. Well, I remember when I first started, I went to this, this study and this guy was going all over. He goes, let's, let's, let's go, let's go to Ezekiel, you know, or let, let's go to Jeremiah. And I'm just literally from the very front going Genesis, Exodus, <laughs> Leviticus. And, I, and then he's gone like four more references. And then I'm going Genesis, Exodus. And I get to the very back and I, so I understand that. So I would address that in the very first week, how to navigate a scripture. Mm -hmm. So that way I didn't embarrass anybody. I showed them, here's how we're going to do it. And I remember this one time I had this woman and, and, and she came in, she goes, and, uh, you know, she goes, I never opened up a Bible before, but can I find that scripture? And I remember she was so proud that she actually goes, she goes, is that it? I go, that's it. And everybody just kind of clapped and, you know, like we, we affirmed her and it's like, she just goes, she was, it was, it was a, that's a win, right? We got her to do something she'd never done before. So I never assume that people know. I just yeah. don't assume. So that's one of the things that I think if people are to have people like that, you know, just, just remember. And because you don't want to embarrass them. So if they don't know, I, I just do it in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. So if they didn't understand it, we'll figure that out. And then sooner or later, you know, they'll, they'll go, I want to do that this time. And, and we do that. So mm -hmm. I, it's interesting how, yeah, but it's, it's fun to see. And that's how people grow. Well, the other thing that, I mean, the relationship part of this, you build relationships with these people. And I, I, since my wife helped you out a little bit, starting point, I was at one of your, I don't know if it was like a mid semester dinner potluck thing you guys did. And I got to know, um, she's not going to care if I use her name here, but Kathy, because she's part of my small group now. And I got to know Kathy and now she's in my small group. And like, I've gotten to know Kathy more and more and more. I, every time I see her, I'm like excited about, I know she's a Chiefs fan. And so like, I'm excited to talk to her about the new, the news that I heard about the Kansas City Chiefs and <laughs> she knows all about it. And we have this conversation. So Kathy's been part of my group now. We've been, I mean, it was the last week of small groups. So the last 12 weeks, and I've known her for a little over a year and I've built this friendship with Kathy that all started from no pun intended starting point. <laughs> right. So it also facilitates this great relationship building uh, I mean, small groups is kind of built that way. Anyway, you want to build relationships in small groups. It's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, but it does for people that maybe are coming in that don't know anybody that are like, well, I don't really know. I'm going to walk into that giant room. Why are we all singing? Why is everybody, what is, what is, uh, okay. So I'm supposed to give money now, you know, like just right. like these kinds of things. It's great to have this, you know, the, the groups where it's smaller four or five people where you just have the, the ability to, to be put, no, I don't want to say put on the same level. I don't know how the language you used to use there, but you bring them up to, you know, everybody to the same, did you say the same level? Is that what you said? I try to um, bring the person who probably would know the least you would think would know the least and not, and raise them up instead of raise trying them up. to, that's try what you said. Just raise them up. Trying to talk to the pe person who I, most people are going to, think that knows the most right. or go at the pace like yeah. they get to be the pace setter in terms of exactly what kinds of things you're talking about or explaining or because they will end up catching up right they will end up catching up and will slow the people who want to be the big question askers right and those are the ones that who kind of sometimes unfortunately they suck the air out of a room right right <laughs> because they they, they want to go down the rabbit holes so I, you as a, a facilitator you know that only experience tells you or gives you how to 
acknowledge people who are a little different and maybe have different viewpoints and how as a, a leader or a facilitator, you respond in those situations because everybody all of a sudden is now looking at you mm. it, when it's an uncomfortable, like the, the, the question is totally off topic, mm. but it's something that they've heard and now it's, it's up to you and you're just going, and you can feel all the eyes just turn towards you, <laughs> right? And like, how are you going to deal with this individual? Because there's always one. There's, you know, most of the time there's always one. And so you have to find a way to acknowledge that person, validate them, who they are, that, that the question is real, but how to navigate through that water, um, satisfy that person and still move the group. And then once sometimes I, you, the people see how you do that, then they just go, okay, all right, he did. You know, he didn't diminish the question. He addressed it. Um, maybe it wasn't right, but the the group all of a sudden knows where we're going, mm -hmm. you know, and that's really important that they just go, um, and believe me, I've been taken off topic many times and I've lost groups. I've lost time in groups because I tried to, address that. And I, then I'm going down a rabbit hole and I don't even know how to get it back. So I have to figure out how to do it in a, in a respectful way and still keep us moving forward, uh, for the, the benefit of the group, not just for the one person. Mm -hmm. So and does that make sense? We've talked about yes. wanting to say, see even more starting point groups. Mm -hmm. So I would say to especially small group leaders that are listening, you know, if you, as you hear Doug explaining some of the obstacles that you've experienced and that you're navigating and that you've sort of developed some finesse and how to navigate those things, I would love to see more people like you that are ready to develop that same finesse and have that same heart for starting point as well and come under and be mentored by you in that way. And so that's another way, just if you're listening as a small group leader and you want to try something new, maybe it would be to join Doug and to learn from, learn from your, your, um, skills there. Cause some people don't, don't track on that level for better, or for worse. It does. It's not like they're smarter or dumber or anything like that, but it takes a spiritual gift to be able to track like what you're describing and be able to see, okay, how do we keep the whole room engaged and how do we stay on track in a way that's helpful for the group and not just one individual and things like that. So, or if you're a seeker, this is also a great place to, to get involved as starting point too. If exactly. this is something that you're curious mm -hmm. about is like, this is a great way to start. And uh, again, no pun intended, starting point. Um, <laughs> and you don't necessarily get to the finish line in this group, right? Because there, the finish line is you've accepted Christ and you're going to heaven, right? <laughs> oh my god! Which uh, is next week, yeah? That's right, that's right, yeah. So next, so, you, next week, go ahead. What's, yeah, what's next week? So next week, we're going to be talking with Jess Pryor about uh, becoming a new believer. And so sort of what it looks like to not only take that step, but also to care for people who have very recently taken that step. So I'm excited about that and just so thankful, Doug for you t coming today and helping us. I love what you said about redefining the win. A lot of this podcast is sort of wanting to help small group leaders and then everyone in general sort of not have these huge expectations like the person who says, I don't have a testimony because I didn't, you know, get off some sort of crazy story. But you can have a win in your small group that looks very small but is very, very significant. So you can us with that. Mm -hmm. And also next week, Doug and I are going to discuss uh, LeBron, overrated? <laughs> So tune in for that. All right. Thanks, Doug, for being here. You're welcome. Thank you.